0: G'day Sports by Fry fans, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast coming at you on a Friday afternoon, hopefully you're geared up for an impressive weekend, the Scorchers are in the Big Bash finals, so plenty to cheer about in WA I'm sure, most of the uh, Perth and Peel region people are happy to be getting out of lockdown, but Not here to talk about lockdown or corona, I'm here to talk about fantasy, another Fantasy Friday episode. Little bit of NFL stuff for the lead off. I talked about Matthew Stafford, And his potential landing spot last week And he got traded to the Rams So there's some fantasy ripple effects That I'm going to touch on I am going to be diving through all of the relevant AFL fantasy rucks I did the forwards last week So moving one spot up the ground to the rucks Thank God that the mobile app Has an update and we can use that now Because it's way better than using the website Version for my, uh, my opinion And then right at the end As per usual I'm going to be doing some NBA stuff You add, drop and watch list. I think next week I might come out with a bit of a list of some dudes that potentially you want to trade for. But without further ado, let's dive into today's episode. Like I said, Matthew Stafford is now a member of the Los Angeles Rams. Poor Jared Goff. Sucks to have to move from uh, LA to Detroit. I'm sure Blake Griffin... Attest to that, and he is now a Detroit Lion. But those two big quarterbacks obviously have changed colors and changed uniforms. Matthew Stafford arriving at the Rams does, again, like I said, have some fantasy implications. So he goes to the Rams and has plenty more weapons to work with, which I think boosts his potential ceiling a little bit heading into 2021. He didn't really shine this year, he did have weapons like Kenny Golliday and Marvin Jones to use, but Having Sean McVay as a head coach, I think, is really going to help Matthew Stafford take his fantasy game up a notch. They're obviously getting a lot of buzz at the moment to contend or be in a better position to contend for a Super Bowl. I'll touch on that closer to the start of the next NFL season. But from a fantasy standpoint, I think the big winner of this trade, aside from Matty Stafford, is Cam Akers. The LA Rams running back didn't really get a lot of pass-catching reps. In the season just gone. He only had 14 targets but hauled them in for 11 catches and 123 yards. So solid numbers on a per reception basis. And I think in 2021 that number will continue to trend upwards. Sean McVay loves to tinker around with the offense and throw in there lots of different looks. So I wouldn't be surprised if the Rams use quite a bit of play action and try to manipulate defenses and let Matty Stafford and Cam makers go to work. The Rams receivers... Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are the two big ones. I don't think Matthew Stafford arriving there really changes a lot for both of them. They're probably going to remain quality wide receiver twos, maybe push for a top 12 or top 15 finish in the wide receiver category, but doesn't change a hell of a lot. For the Lions, obviously Jared Goff, Becoming their quarterback is a little bit of a downgrade. Hopefully, Goff can go there and reignite his career and his fantasy numbers. He was pretty good the year that he took him to the Super Bowl back in 2019. But the wide receiver position is pretty interesting. Obviously, Kenny Goloday and Marvin Jones are the big two weapons there. Both of them are free agents this offseason, along with Mohamed Sanu and Dami Amendola. So I expect Mohamed Sanu and Damien Mandola to both go. Marvin Jones getting to the latter portion of his career. He'll probably want to bounce as well, but the Lions might throw a bit of buck at Kenny Goloday in an effort to keep him in Detroit colours. It'll be interesting if they lose that entire wide receiver depth chart to see who does fill in the blanks. Former Packer Geronimo Allison is on their books for 2021, so he could be a late-round flyer that might garner some buzz. So really, whoever is their wide receivers will probably take a dip in production. Lions rookie running back DeAndre Swift didn't have the greatest start to his fantasy career. He was the RB18 in PPR leagues, and he might be able to push that category up to vie for a top 10 or top 12 finish if Detroit leans on him a little bit more, thanks to... uh, Jared Goff's ineptitude and inability to accurately be a passing quarterback. So obviously Detroit still has some moves to make and a lot of change to go through. But I think losing Stafford and gaining Goff will probably hamper their fantasy production. Quick little 30-second Super Bowl nugget. I did drop my preview, if you didn't hear, on the latest article for Super Bowl 55. I'm still picking the Chiefs and I wouldn't be surprised if Travis Kelsey dominates. I expect him to lead the Chiefs in targets receptions, yards. Tampa Bay will have their eyes set on locking down Tyreek Hill. They'll obviously want to shut down Kelsey as well, but I don't know how successful they're going to be. If you are playing in daily fantasy leagues and you're looking at a lineup for the Super Bowl, don't rule out Cameron Brait from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm not sure off the top of the dome what his over-under is, but he's someone that might be a little bit of a factor in the Super Bowl. Okie dokie, time for some AFL fantasy. Now, With the Rucks, I've kind of broken these guys into three categories, similar to what I did with the forwards. If you haven't listened to that episode last Saturday's Fantasy Friday, yeah, that was a little bit late, my bad, so you can go back and listen to that one, but I'm all about the Rucks today. So we've got the big dogs we got the value category, and then we got the rookies slash cash cows. Can't really start anywhere else in the big dogs than Brody Grundy. No offence meant to Maxie Gorn. Grundy scored the most total points last year for any Ruckman. He's the second most owned fantasy Ruckman at the moment at 33% of teams. Priced at an average of 113, I expect him to at least produce the same number of points again in 2021. He did... However, in 2019, score about 122 points a game. So there's every chance Grundy could boost his points back to somewhere around the 120 mark. That's probably pretty accurate. I could see Grundy really stepping up now that we've got 20-minute quarters again, relishing being the number one ruck at the Pies and probably will be the number one scoring ruckman, if not the number one player in fantasy for the entire season. Next cab off the rank, this bloke is generating a lot of buzz at the moment, and I can conceivably see why. Rowan Marshall has very valuable forward ruck status. He's the third most owned ruckman at 16%, and I expect him to produce numbers similar to what he did in 2019, which actually wasn't that far off what he did in 2020 as well. So he actually got to play four games without Paddy Ryder last year, and he'd scored 79 points on average in those games, an average 77 for the entire season. So there's not a huge lot of difference for Marshall's production whether Ryder is or isn't on the field. But given Paddy Ryder's injury issues, I'd be surprised if St Kilda didn't use him as more of a forward. I mean, Marshall is obviously some tall timber and can wreak havoc inside 50 for St Kilda as well. But... I think he is the better player, the better Ruckman, and probably, again, given their age demographic, is more likely to chew lots of midfield minutes. Priced at 99, I do wonder if there's a lot of meat on the bone for Rowan Marshall, meaning can he go a lot higher, maybe an average of 105? Does that justify picking him at the start? I don't know. But for a lot of people who are considering uh, Braden Proust, who I'll talk about in a bit, I can see why you'd maybe want to pick Rowan Marshall in your forward line. Then you've got a little bit of insurance in case Prusy doesn't uh, fire according to plan. And then at least you can plug Marshall into that R2 slot. So plenty of things to watch over the preseason with Marshall. How he plays with Ryder. What type of role he's running. But I only expect his ownership to increase given his DPP flexibility. The next bloke I want to talk about, and this guy's actually made his way into the large fries and coke in the last few days, that is Riley O'Brien. I had him for the second half of last season, and I regretted nothing. He's now priced at 109, went at, uh, corona-adjusted, 97 from his last six games, including four 100s. When you equate that out to full-length quarters, that is an average of 121. Do I expect him to keep going at 121? Probably not, but I do expect Riley O'Brien to be probably though in the top three with Grundy and Gorn. Maybe he could vie for the number one ruck spot, but there's a lot of uncertainty in coaches who went for a cheaper option in their R2 last year. They can relate to the shuffling around. I think I had about Sam Naismith, Mark Pittenett. Uh, ended up with Riley O'Brien, but there was probably one or two other dudes that floated through that second ruck slot. So if you want to avoid a lot of turnover and having to mix and match your second ruck each week, and if you can afford it, obviously, maybe picking Riley O'Brien isn't a terrible choice. Like I said, he's made his way into my team at the moment. Can he keep that average around the 108-109 mark up? Very possibly, will he go a lot taller? Depends, but I expect at least Riley O'Brien to hover around the 105 110 average and maintain his price and keep his title as one of the best fantasy ruckmen around. Speaking of the best fantasy ruckmen around, from a per game basis, there might not be a better fantasy player in the game than Max Gorn. If you haven't already checked it out, I wrote about him for the Dream Team Talk Boys in the deck of DT this preseason, so you can go and give that article a squiz. He's in 14%. Of teams at the moment and he's got a break even of 121 which i think is a little bit too high i don't know if maxi gone can maintain that over a full season again per game he might but longevity really isn't his best calling card i don't think he's played a full season for the last three or four years so i do have some concerns over picking max gone i mean If he scores you 120 to 125 each week and then does happen to be out, I guess you can trade him out and deal with the ramifications afterwards. But that's a lot of dough to cough up for someone who's no guarantee to be there all year. Again, on a per-game basis, he's going to chop, so I can see why. But the most expensive player in the game is probably one to avoid for the start of the year. Out of respect, I threw Todd Goldstein into the Big Dogs category as well, but... At the age of 32, he might be past it. He's only in 1% of teams right now, and he's still an elite fantasy player, don't get me wrong. He's still a fantastic player, period, and he'll get a ton of hit-outs with the Ruse. He's got a break-even of 100, and I don't expect him to go a shitload higher than that. If anything, I expect him to dip back down somewhere into the 90s. It might be a high 90s, and if you're a Ruse fan, there's nothing wrong with picking Goldie. Again, he's a fantastic player, but... I think his fantasy golden era, pun intended, might be behind him. Turning my attention to some value plays now. From a value standpoint, you can't go past Braden Pruce in your second ruck slot. At the moment, he's only costing you 377 grand, and he's poised to take over the solo reins from Sauce Jacobs. He is the most owned ruckman in fantasy at the moment, at 37%, and he's only got a break even of 50. So. If he gets the number one role for GWS, and we can watch during the Amy series and see that he is relishing being that number one dude, it's going to be pretty hard to pass up on him at that cheaper value. Again, that break even of 50, if he is the number one Ruckman, I can probably see him averaging somewhere around the 70 point mark, which is a huge bit of value, so there's a reason Proust is the most popular Ruckman at the moment. Another cheap ruckman who's going to be taking over solo duties is Sam Draper. There's no guarantee that he is going to be Essendon's only ruckman, but with Tommy Bell Chambers retiring, his main threat is out the door, and I could expect Sam Draper to put up some big fantasy numbers. He might not be consistent, that's something that plagued him a little bit last year in his first season of footy, and he's only in 5% of teams at the moment. I can understand why you might want to consider um, Draper and cough up for him, but Again, I still think Bruce is the safer play, or paying up for someone else. If you are going to pay up for someone else, but you're still chasing a bit of value, don't rule out Jared Witz. He has a break-even of 81 at the moment, price just over the 600 grand mark, and he definitely could be a value play. Here's some of his numbers from the last couple of seasons. In 2020, he had a bit of a down year, and obviously a corona-adjusted average around the 80s, but... The three years before that, in 2019, he averaged 104. 2018, he averaged 93. And back in 2017, he averaged 92. He hasn't missed a game since 2017 as well. So expect Witsy to be there every week for the Gold Coast Suns. I wouldn't be surprised if he pushed that average back up closer to 90. Maybe somewhere in the high 80s is more realistic, but there's still a little bit of value there if you want to try and chase an alternative. For about 50 grand less, you might even want to contemplate someone like Toby Nankervis. I gave him a bit of a shout out on one of the Sunday sit-downs with JLo, but I have kind of backed off a little bit on my stance with Nank. He obviously performs well when Ivan Soldo isn't in the team, and with the reduced interchanges, we might see Tom Lynch, because he's shown the ability in the past, pinch hitting in the ruck for Richmond as well, excluding Soldo from the squad, but Even if that is the case, I don't know if I can fully get behind Nankervis. Seems like Toby Nankervis is in his 30s, but the bloke's actually only 26 years old, so he could shoulder the ruck roll for the Tigers the entire year and be a bit of a fantasy factor, but I don't know if I've got the balls to uh, suggest pulling the trigger on Nank. Nick Natanui is the last bloke that I want to discuss. In 5% of teams, I think his fantasy ceiling is going to be limited by West Coast's tactic of playing him in bursts. I seem to be using that word a lot with Nick Nat, but it's kind of true. The dude, obviously, has had his fair share of injury issues through a while, and I think the lower rotations could see him spending more time on the bench rather than nestled in the forward line. No guarantees, obviously, and if he starts the year on fire, you might want to potentially downgrade a failed R2 and chase Nick Nat. I don't think his fantasy day. I think his fantasy days as being relevant are probably behind him. He is priced at an average of eighty five and played sixteen games last year. So I think that eighty five is a little bit too high for what Nick Nat will do this season. So at the moment, it's a no from me. Couple of cheaper options in the ruck. Some of these rookies slash cash cows definitely interest me. The number one bloke I want to talk about, sticking with the Eagles is Bailey Williams. In 2% of teams at the moment, he also possesses very, very handy ruck forward status, so you might want to plug him onto your bench. If then you've got Rowan Marshall, that gives you a handy link between two lines. He is sitting at 271k, so almost exactly the same price as number one pick, Jamari eugle Hagen to put that into context. However, he did manage a couple of games last year, played three for West Coast, and Tom Hickey's now gone, so... Bailey Williams will be right in contention with Nathan Vardy for that number two ruck roll. We saw a couple of times with the Eagles last year where Oscar Allen was playing in the forward line and then showcasing his talents in the ruck occasionally. Jack Darling's taken some hit outs from time to time. So there's no guarantees that A, Williams is going to get a lot of games and B, even if he does... He will be West Coast's number two ruckman, but he's a super athlete. And of all the cash cows in this category, if you're going to pay up for someone, he's the one that I definitely recommend. If you're not going for him, the number two pick from last year's draft in Riley Philthorpe might be intriguing. He's an Adelaide Crow now, and he could support Riley O'Brien and maybe even eat into his numbers a little bit. Philthorpe is in 13% of teams at the moment. I can see why people would probably want to play around and put him into his side. He also owns Ruck forward status, but at the moment, I can't really fully get behind picking him. Might prove me wrong, and he's a super talent, Don't don't get me mistaken, but from a fantasy perspective, I think I want to just wait and see what he dishes up first couple of basement blokes you might want to consider. Matty Flynn has pretty much been everyone's R3 for the last couple of years. He and Darcy Cameron have held down the fort on our ruck benches. And the GWS cash cow could steal some of Pruce's thunder. I don't expect him to come in and play a lot, but I could be wrong. He's been on the list for a couple of years now and hasn't really made a whack of it. If GWS does hand him an opportunity and he shines well, he could be a very handy cash maker. Last one I want to talk about is Tom Fullerton. Will he play? That is the big question. Obviously, we don't know what's going on a lot with Brisbane's ruck rotation. Big Oscar McInerney seems like he's going to hold down the number one role, but there is a little bit of uncertainty following Steph Martin's departure. Granted, Steph didn't play a lot last year, but Fullerton did manage two appearances in round 13 and 15. He dished up a 40, which is encouraging, but then his second game was a 4, so does price him out at an average of 28. I don't know if I can justify picking him, but again, another bloke with ruck forward status, so if you're putting him on your bench, there's certainly worse blokes out there. Next week, I'm going to chew through some of the midfielders, but also by this time next week, I'm going to drop two more Dream Team Talk articles. I'm doing two pieces, one on Will Phillips and one on Tom Powell, the two North Melbourne rookies that a lot of coaches have picked for their fantasy sides. There's no guarantees they're going to be there at the start of the season, but if they are, I think these two will be probably the most two popular cash cows on your field, along with the likes of Archie Perkins and Braden Campbell, maybe even Jamara Yugel Hagen. So I'll unpack all the midfielders next week. There's going to be a lot to talk about, so I'll try and stick to a lot of the relevant names and some of the value plays that I like the looks of. But as you're waiting for the next week's Fantasy Friday, make sure you check out those two DT Talk pieces. Wrapping up with some NBA fantasy chatter, I'm going to go through the waiver wires and talk about ads, drops, and dudes you might want to watch, okay? First things first, if you haven't added Thaddeus Young, go ahead and do that now. There's always one must-have each week on the Fantasy Friday. This week, it's Thad Young. He's already in 54% of teams, and he's currently seen his ownership shoot up about 40%. In the last four or five days. Now that uh, Wendell Carter's been ruled out with a quad issue for a couple of games, I can see why people pounced on Thad. I wasn't able to beat JLo to the punch. He's got him in our fantasy league and he's benefiting some pretty, from some pretty wicked play by Young. In his last four games, Thad Young is averaging 14 points, eight rebounds, seven and a half assists and two steals, including five steals in the Bulls' last game. So, Thaddeus Young definitely is the hot waiver wire add at the moment. He's also got three positions to his name. You can play him as a small forward, power forward, or center if you're in ESPN fantasy leagues that is. So, I'll go ahead and add Thaddeus Young if you have the flexibility to do so. Next up is DeAnthony Melton from the Memphis Grizzlies. 19.4% owned at the moment and he's returned and looked pretty good in his last four games. At the moment, though, there's a lot of uncertainty around Memphis's team. I know that Jaron Jackson Jr. is meant to be coming back soon. Grayson Allen's missed a bit of time. Jonas Valanciunas has been in and out of the lineup, and he's currently out. So there's a lot of uncertainty happening. Kyle Anderson's another one. But if De'Anthony Melton's getting minutes, you definitely need to roster him in fantasy. He's a great dude from a point guard position. He's going to put up a lot of different categories. Loves a steal. Great defender will always get you a couple of rebounds and assists. He might be a smarter play in deeper leagues, but if you're in a 10 to 12 team league, especially towards the 12 and maybe even 14 team league, Melton's someone that's gotta be rostered. The last bloke that I recommend picking up is Cody Zeller. He's in a third of all teams at the moment at 33%. And I can see why in his last five games, which have all been starts, Cody Zeller's averaging an 11.11 rebound double-double, which doesn't sound like a hell of a lot, but he's definitely overtaken Bismack Biombo in the pecking order for the Charlotte Hornets. Zeller's always good for a couple of assists as well. His passing's pretty underrated, if you ask me. He's averaging nearly four a game in that last five in all his starts. So PJ Washington, Charlotte's other probably recognised fantasy big man, he's dealing with a foot sprain too that kept him out of their latest game Pretty sure it was against Utah off the dome, but I think Zeller's a smart play if you want to add him, especially if you need some depth at center. Might not be someone you keep for the entire season, but for the short term, I definitely recommend locking Cody Zeller into your lineup. If you've got to drop someone to add one of those dudes, I think you can start by dumping Duncan Robinson. No offense to the Miami Heat sharpshooter, I love watching Duncan Robinson play. He may go down in NBA history as one of the greatest three-point shooters, but Aside from making threes, he doesn't offer a lot else fantasy-wise. Jimmy Butler's starting to return for the Miami Heat as well, so that probably won't eat a ton into Duncan Robinson's minutes. I think that Miami's best-case scenario is playing those two dudes together so Jimmy can kind of drive and kick to Robinson. But Robinson doesn't offer a lot, like I said, in other categories. If you're in a head-to-head category league and you don't have a lot of other three-point threats, Maybe you want to keep Robinson. He has cooled off a little bit in recent times, but not too long ago, I think he put three straight games of 20 or 25 up and hit a lot of threes in the process. So I can see why Duncan Robinson is appealing, but there's probably not enough contrib- contribution around the board from Robinson for me to justify keeping him on a roster. Similar can be said for Jetty Osmond. The Cleveland Cavalier has really been hampered by Torian Prince arriving in Cleveland. Most people have caught on and dropped Jetty Osmond. His, I think, ownership was hovering around the 25% mark. Now it's right down near 16%. Does get you a couple of threes. Does love a couple of rebounds as well, but similar to Robinson, he offers little fantasy value in the other categories. So Jetty, until maybe there's an injury in the Cleveland uh, wing rotation, probably not the smartest fantasy factor. This next one might be a bit controversial, but I'm going out on a limb and saying, it's time to get rid of Blake Griffin. I can see why he's still in a lot of teams. The big name to keep on your roster. He's in 64% of teams at the moment, and I get it. Former dunk champ, Blake Griffin. I can see why, but he's not doing it anymore. Unfortunately, I think the Blake Griffin of old has come and gone. For the year, Blake is averaging 12, five and a half rebounds and four assists. Okay numbers, I guess but not for someone of his category and stature. He is shooting just 37% on the year as well. So put that into context, those averages with a worse shooting percentage are pretty similar to someone like Rui Hachimura, whose ownership is probably in the 40s. I think he's hovering around that mark. Kyle Anderson, who I've already alluded to, if he's playing, I definitely feel safer starting him. Brendan Clark as well from the Grizzlies, another bloke that you could probably pick up, but... Blake Griffin just simply isn't getting it done anymore. I know it's sad. I'm still clinging on to hope and I actually own him in one of my leagues, but I am definitely chasing the waiver wire for a replacement. I can't see Blake Griffin turning it around a lot. He's only scored over 20 twice this season, so even if he does fix his shooting percentage a bit and have a bit of an uptick in his numbers, I only expect him to average somewhere around the 16, 6, and 6 mark, which, again, is a handy contribution across the board, but... If you can maybe dangle him in a trade, or there's better options in your waiver wire if you're in an 8 to 10 team league, I definitely recommend cutting ties with Blake. Last little nugget Aaron Gordon of the Magic is out for the next 4 to 6 weeks, and one bloke in our league just dropped him because he doesn't have any space in the IR spot. If you don't have an injury reserve slot in your league, I think it's okay to drop Aaron Gordon. He hasn't been performing exceptionally, been getting a ton of boards, and he had one game, I remember, I'm pretty sure it was against Cleveland, actually, where he was hot and burying threes like there's no tomorrow, but not really getting it done production-wise from a fantasy standpoint, and if he is going to miss at least the next month of basketball, you need someone in there contributing to your team. Rounding it out with a couple of dudes to keep your eye on. This first one interests me very, very much in particular. Only in 17% of teams right now, Davis Pertans hasn't had the greatest fantasy season. He's shooting just 33% on the year. He returned from injury and he's, well, actually it might have been COVID protocols he was out for, but he's only shooting 8 from 36 from deep in his last four games. So good to see him, I guess, chucking them up, but... He's not really converting them at the moment. If he does start knocking down some shots and the Wizards can get a bit of continuity, Westbrook and Beal are firing on all cylinders, then there's no reason why Bertans can't just keep roaming around the three-point line. He's always good for a couple of rebounds and threes as well, which is valuable out of a power forward spot. So keep your eye on him. There's a reason he's only in 17% of teams right now. I wouldn't go ahead and add him right away, but... Watch him over the next week or so, and if he starts to have an uptick and convert at a higher clip, you can definitely pounce on Bertans. TJ McConnell of the Pacers is the other bloke that I want to recommend. He's in even fewer teams than Davis Bertans at 13.7%, but TJ McConnell is an assist machine. That bloke's had six assists in 10 straight games now, which, considering he isn't playing a shitload of minutes, is pretty bloody impressive. It's also worth pointing out that he's actually only top six points in half of those games. So, doesn't contribute a hell of a lot outside of the assist category. Again, though, like I kind of alluded to with Robinson, if you're in a head-to-head category league and assist is somewhere that you're struggling, McConnell's probably still sitting on your waiver wire and he can definitely offer a little bit more value. It's worth noting, though, that if you do want to add him and you are in those head-to-head categories, Expect to take a hit in free throws, because at the moment, he is only shooting 25%, 25% from the free throw line, which, if you're not a huge NBA fantasy fan, is shithouse. I do expect him to probably tick that number up. His career numbers suggest that he's probably not that bad a free throw shooter for the entire year. Does love an occasional steal as well. I think, from memory, he is uh, the league leader, in actually career leader in backcourt steals, in NBA history so weird flex from TJ McConnell but the pace is getting it done when it comes to assisting so if you need some help in that category he's your man and that is that another fantasy Friday in the books time for me to edit this and then go and tune into a little bit of basketball I reckon wasn't able to watch a lot going back to work this week but look Looking forward to the weekend, that's for sure. Thanks for listening to this episode. I'll be doing another sit-down with JLo over the weekend, touching on, I think we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA All-Star Game, probably answer some fantasy questions throughout as well, and there's a couple of other bits and pieces we've got in the works, talking about some articles that I've pumped out recently on sportsbyfright.com. Make sure you check out that website so you can find them, but once again, thanks for listening to this episode. Until next time, peace.